light and darkness cannot, cannot occupy the same space. And usually light overpowers darkness. Darkness has to leave. And when we individually understand why we come into corporate worship, you'll know that it's your time with God. It's not, although it is the body, the corporate body, and the time designated as praise and worship, but it's actually you worshiping. So you get to choose. Do I participate or don't I? Do I, at this time, worship? It's awesome to stand in a congregation that's worshiping. It's a different thing for you to worship. And I think if you get the understanding and the revelation that it's your personal time. In other words, if you participate in it, you are worshiping God for what He's done in your life. So, the intensity that you worship is dependent upon the work that God has done for you and that you're aware of and grateful for. And so you respond when opportunity is given to worship Him, give Him thanks for what He's done. So we could, we could go on a whole life doing that, and we should. And part of the reason we're going to be with God for eternity, if you look in the book of Revelation, you'll find that what they did was they worshiped. They threw the crowns down, they got on their face, they worshiped God on and on and angels. Every time a statement is made, fell on their face, holy, 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 worshiped Him, worshiped Him. You see, worship, by and large, has been stolen from the church by Satan. And part of the reason he has succeeded in doing it is because the flesh gets in the way. Your, your flesh resists the spirit. Jesus said your spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And when it comes to time of worship, especially in Southern Cal, we want to get on with it. Let's get this part of the service over because I have things to do, places to go, people to see, meals to eat. That's why I only allocate an hour, 15 minutes once a month to go to church. And when you praise and worship for an hour, that's why I don't go. You see, it is the understanding of who we are and who He is and why we worship that we will enter in, and we will overcome the resistance from the flesh. When the flesh says, quit now, stop, move on, that's five songs already. What are you on about? 
Come on, people. I didn't come here to sing. Well, you see, you're missing out on the whole thing. We came for one purpose, to be in His presence and to have His presence visit us. That's the only reason you're going to heaven, unless you think you're going to heaven and you're going to just drink beer and play cards and have a good time. No, we're, we're going to be going to heaven so we can actually be in His presence. See, I often tell people, if you don't enjoy church, don't even think about going to heaven. You won't enjoy heaven. It's going to be a hell of a time for you. Because we are going to worship. And we're going to praise. And we're going to scream. And shout. And go crazy. And, and manifest joy for making it to heaven and seeing our Jesus face to face. And if that doesn't turn you on, stay away from church. Do yourself a favor. Prepare yourself for where you're going. You will not be praising and worshiping there. So, now to my sermon. <laughs> impartation three. The impartation is the anointing of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. Is the Holy Spirit God? Right, let me ask the question again. Nudge your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Is the Holy Spirit God? The Holy Spirit and the anointing are synonymous. So the impartation of the anointing is God coming upon you. The Holy Spirit is the glory of God. And so that impartation and that presence is the glory of God coming upon you and you being in His presence. Getting a lot of money this morning for the building fund. <laughs> Let me say this to you. The impartation is not for pleasure. It's for production. It is to fulfill your purpose. It's not for you just to have, boy, ooey-gooey, we had a great time in the presence of the Lord. And yes, we do. Last week, Pastor Cindy said, that we have been created, she quoted scripture, we've been created in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, for good works, which God has planned for us to do. Remember that? And she showed us a picture of Death Valley once the rain had hit it, and it blossomed. Super bloom. Remember that? Super bloom. And the reason it became a super bloom is because the unexpected rain fell on seeds that were under the ground. And when the rain hit, they germinated. So it required the rain to germinate the seeds, and a Garden of Eden was produced. See, those seeds that she said, and she's quite right, that are in you, that God has put in you, 
are actually your assignments. Those are the good works that God preordained for you to do. And in order to germinate, it requires the rain. But this is the rain of the Holy Spirit. You see, the rain is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. So God shows us in nature what He does in the spirit realm so that we can understand with the natural mind what God is doing. He lets us know. You're just like a garden. The Bible calls you a garden. The Bible calls you God's garden. See, the impartation of the anointing activates your assignments. Those seeds are your assignments. They will and are the purposes God has ordained for you to walk in. And your purpose in life will only be accomplished if you activate the seeds God has put in your life. Because those seeds represent good works that He has preordained that you do. So if you don't do those good works, your purpose will not be fulfilled. We go back now as to how do we activate those seeds by the reign of the Holy Spirit like we had this morning. So if you choose not to enter into the reign, you're causing an internal drought that will prevent the germination of your assignments and will stop the purpose of God that you were born for to come to fruition. Each assignment that you're given, you will be anointed for to solve a problem. Every one of your assignments is a problem you will solve. Your assignment is not to become a millionaire or to live in a nice house, drive a nice car, eat fancy food. That's not your assignment. Your assignment is to heal the sick en route. Your assignment is to help those in poverty. Your assignment is to help those who are in darkness by showing them the light. Your assignment is to heal the sick. Your assignment is to bring peace to people in turmoil and who have chaos in their life. And that assignment you have, you have to be anointed to do it because you can't do it in the natural. The anointing you need is the presence of God in your life that comes by the experience that you would have had this morning. See, Jesus is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Do you remember in Acts 10.38 how 
God, Peter's talking to Cornelius' household, and he said how that God anointed Jesus. God imparted the Holy Spirit to the flesh, to Jesus, who went about doing good, fulfilling his assignments once he was anointed, and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. And I'll ask you a question. Is God with you? Are you the temple of God? Have you been anointed? Then you should be healing all those under the power of the devil. You should be doing good works that glorify your Father because there's been an impartation of the very presence and glory of God in your life for purpose. Everybody say, for purpose, not for pleasure. I'm not saying there's no pleasure when you pray for the sick and they're healed. I'm not saying there's no pleasure when you worship God and you sense that intimacy. Yes, there is. But that's not the reason we do it. We, we get to have that pleasure, but we get to press in, as Pastor Cindy said today, to get rejuvenated internally, to get our spirit man built up, to deal with the issues that we're dealing with in our mind, those fears, those anxieties, the stress that we're dealing with in our soul realm. Remember the temple or the tabernacle of Moses had three parts. The outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. They're symbolic of the body of flesh, the soul realm, and the spirit realm. Three of us. That's who we're made up of. That's what it is. There it is. Now, they couldn't get into the Holy of Holies because sin kept them out, and only once a year they could go in the high priest with the blood of a goat or a sacrifice. There was a veil that stopped them from entering in. That veil was represent, represented by Jesus' flesh. When Jesus' flesh was torn, that veil uh, tore. And so now our flesh can go into the presence of God. Our flesh can go into the Holy of Holies. You're, you're listening to me. If you choose to stay in the outer court, or you choose to live your Christian life in the soul realm, trying to reason everything out, this is what's going to happen. When the anointing comes and where the impartation is made, every single person becomes a judge. Because you will judge that event. And you will decide whether you think it is of God or not of God. And you go, no, I wouldn't do that. Well, the Pharisees did that about Jesus. When he's casting out demons, and they said, this is not of God. This is the demonic power. If they say that about Jesus, they will say that about your encounter. They will say that about your impartation. 
They will say that when the Spirit of God moves at the promised church. That's not of God. They will get up and walk out. Because darkness cannot stay in that presence. Unless it yields. Unless darkness opens its heart and mind to hear from God, it will not stay. I'm not preaching for those that will leave. I'm preaching for the hungry. I'm preaching for those who want more. I'm preaching for those who want to mature in the things of God. I'm preaching for those that when they arrive on the other side, they hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. And if it gets too hot in the kitchen, you know, I'm, what can I say? I'm fulfilling my assignment. I have been anointed for this assignment. Seeds are germinating. Blooms are forming. And I don't preach for the whole world. You can't be everything to everybody. You see, the impartation brings the power and enables you to accomplish your purpose. Well, I better get to my sermon. How does the impartation of the anointing in the presence of God, how, how does this occur? We mentioned some of them last week to you. Just a quick recap. By sovereign uh, manifestation, by speaking over somebody, by laying hands on somebody, touching the person's clothes, uh, by anointing with oil. And that's one I didn't give last week. I'm throwing this in. There'll be new ones every time as we go along. By worship. Worship music is a way... Of, imparta of impartation of the anointing or brings the presence of God. Now, what I want to get to, maybe three, four weeks from here, is the impact of the impartation, the impact of the encounter. You see, because, because I, I teach... When I see something happen that I'm not 100% okay with, I have to judge it, but I have to go back to the Word. I've got to go to the Word to find out if what's going on is okay. You may not have that in you, but I do. So for me, I live in that constant realm of is this God or isn't it God? Is it God or isn't it God? Is it in line with the Word or isn't it in line with the Word? But I want to go as far as God wants to take me, but I understand that I'm limiting God by my understanding of what can happen and what God can do. I limit Him. And so that's the reason I dig into the Word and I, and I search and so on and try and find. So um, I'm going to give you real quick... Um, this is what, where I'm at at the moment in my research, about 22 different manifestations that verify you are having an encounter with the Holy Spirit, that God's presence has come upon you. 22. 
real quick. You receive healing. You may shake or tremble. Buildings will shake. You may be too weak to stand. You might fall into a trance-like state. You may fall over, forward or backwards. You could have an intoxicated state of mind, literally be drunk in the soul. You could be laughing, shouting, or weeping. You could be rejoicing loudly. You could have joy. There could be prolonged exuberant praise. You could feel energy or electricity or heat. There could be a deep feeling of peace. Your face might shine with the glory of God. Your clothes might shine. And there could be groaning or inarticulate sounds. By way of introduction. Those are manifestations that I will show you from the Bible that occur when an impartation occurs so that you might understand what's going on. And when you see somebody else having this experience, you go, oh gosh, I'm out of this church. I'm gone. And I'll say, well, bless you as you go, sweetheart. Bless you as you go. Blessed are the stupid, for they shall remain stupid. If you want to lack wisdom, go ahead. Go ahead. You will be somebody's fool. So how does the impartation of the anointing of the presence of God occur? We mentioned a few. Let's look at the sovereign manifestation. The day of Pentecost was a sovereign manifestation, was it not? People were praying in unity, seeking God, waiting as Jesus told them to do, and here comes the Holy Spirit. But there's another occasion that occurs, and it occurs... Um, at Cornelius' house. In Acts 10.44, Peter's now talking to the uh, Gentiles. The Bible says, as he was still speaking these words. Now notice, he was speaking words. He was speaking words. The Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So the Holy Spirit will come on all who hear. And I could say it this way. If you're open to hear, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Holy Spirit is present, but you have to be open to hear, willing to hear what he's saying. So while he was still speaking these words, Holy Spirit came on them. And the circumcised believers, that's the Jews, that came with Peter were astonished at the gift of the Holy, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. I don't want to act astonished to you. But do you, can you envision astonishment? Astonishment. We're in church and the Holy Spirit moves on people and the rest of us go, what? Get me out of this church, honey, now. you hear what they're doing? They're talking in tongues. And that's what happened. They were talking in tongues. The shock. (laughs) 
I told you not to bring us to a Pentecostal church. What's the matter with you? Do you understand what they're saying? No, but it can't be of God. Everybody around me is talking a strange language. How long is the service? <laughs> Have you ever been in a church where they sang for a whole hour? I'm kneeling down, lifting their hands, talking in strange languages. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. I have never in 50 years plus of being a Christian ever, ever, ever heard someone speaking in tongues that it was not accompanied with praising God. But I've been around millions of people who neither praise God nor speak in tongues. Their gift is criticism of those who do. See, speaking in tongues is inarticulate sounds. Sounds. Groanings. Like you have stomachache. Like you need to see a doctor. <laughs> like you manifesting need to be delivered. <laughs> How is this transfer? By someone speaking to you or speaking over you. Peter was simply speaking over them. Jesus... Jesus imparted an anointing to not only the 12, including Judas, but also another 72, and sent them out with that power and authority. He gave them spiritual power and authority. In Luke chapter 10 and verse 1, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he would go. Heal the sick who are there, and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. Their assignment was to solve the problems of these people. I'm sending you out under this authority. I'm sending you out with this impartation of power. Heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead. And the 72 people returned with what? So they had a meeting that was really sad when they all got back together. That church service was like, oh gosh, so miserable. What kind of expression would joy be when they got back together? Are you full of joy when you come to church? Are you get happy? You really get happy and you get all joyful and you're happy to be in church? Because you're hearing good news. Right? You're not being told you're a really dirty sinner and you're going to hell and God's not happy with you. 
God's going to beat the snot out of you. You're, you're just so bad. No, no. You've been told you're the righteousness of God. God. God has forgiven you. You come with joy. You come with joy because of what you did in the world through the week, in the marketplace. You come back and tell the stories of what you did in the marketplace. So the church is joyful when they come back to church, aren't they? Joyful. Are you joyful? Are you sure? Well, put your Bibles down. Put your books down. Put your computers down, your laptops. I want you to show me and the Lord. I want, to sh I want to see just how much joy you really have. Are you ready? Are, are we ready? Uh, three people. The front row's ready down here. Front row's ready. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Take that, you devil. All right, be seated. See, see, that's what I do when people sleep in church. That's how I... No. Okay, well, I'm going to have to stop there. My time's up. It's true. My time's up. Look at the watch. 11.30. No, you have to ask more. More, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll give you a few more minutes, okay? How's this, how's this impartation occur? We've looked at two. Through the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit is transmitted, imparted. Paul said to Timothy uh, in chapter 2 and verse 1 of Timothy, um, 2 Timothy 1.6, he said, For this reason I want to remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. So to fan into flame, the New King James says to stir up. The Amplified Bible says to rekindle the embers of, to fan the flame of, and keep burning. So the intensity of the impartation will wane unless... You continue to keep it burning. Unless you continue to press in to worship and through prayer, it'll wane. I don't know if you know this, but we spoke about the tabernacle of Moses. And in the holy place, not the holy of holies, the holy place, when they set up the, the place to burn the sacrifices, the flame, that God supernaturally lit the flame. They didn't light it. Supernatural. How many know that? You read the Bible? Now you know. So supernatural lit the flame. However, it was the priest's responsibility to keep it burning. God didn't light it again. He said, I'm lighting it, now you keep it burning. See, God sets you a light, and then he expects you to keep yourself burning. The intensity is up to you, what you get. So Paul tells him to stir up or to rekindle, 
to fan into flame that gift of God that was imparted to him through the laying on of hands. So our worship time is a time where you are fanning your flame. If you choose not to fan the flame, it will become a smoldering wick. And then you'll come to church, dry as an old stick, and you'll wonder why everybody jumped and shout for joy, and why everybody else is worshiping and on their knees, because after all, I don't feel anything. I know I'm preaching better than you saying amen. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Yeah, because you can always tell when someone's flame is going out or when it's burning very little. There is an outward expression. Now, Jesus laid hands on a lot of people, healed them. Here's another way, transfer, anointing, impartation occurs uh, by the touching of a person's clothes. There was an impartation of the Holy Spirit power that went through Jesus' clothes and also through Paul's clothes, produced healing for those who laid a hold of it by faith. You know the story of the woman that had the issue of blood and she came in the crowd. We pick this story up in Mark chapter 5, verse 25. She heard about Jesus. She came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. For She said, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. And immediately she touched the fountain of her blood, drew up, uh, dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed. So you see, there is a feeling in the body when the anointing flows through you. See, I grew up teaching that we must be careful not to mix emotionalism with the Spirit, stay with the Word, and, and, and literally suppress any of the outward manifestations or expressions. So it's taken 50 years, but I got there. I'm happy that I'm still teachable. I'm happy I'm still teachable. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, you know, if I knew it all, where would that leave you? Say, I don't know it all. In fact, I don't know what I don't know. Are you sure you want some more? So she felt in her body that she was healed, and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, there's no scripture on the wall. That's what he said. <laughs> and lo and behold, there was scripture. Light be. I don't think we're at the right verse. Are we at the right verse? No, no. Verse 29. Oh, there it is. There it is. Look what he said to her. Look what he said to her. Look what he said. Four words. What did he say? 
Yeah, yeah, got you right there. Got you because you read who touched me. See, I wrestled with that yesterday because he didn't say who touched me. He said, who touched my clothes? Who touched my clothes? See, the presence, the anointing was in his clothes. She drew it over his, she didn't say if I can but touch him. She actually said if I can just touch his clothes. See, it's something we've been missing. We, we don't understand the anointing and the presence of God saturates you, your house, your clothes, your car, everywhere you go. Have you been driving your car and worshiping God and suddenly, I, whoo, my car is filled, God is here, my God is here, whoo, right? I was serving back in 1975 in England as a diplomat, and I was praying about leaving the diplomatic service, and I had a prayer room upstairs, and so I, Jackie was downstairs watching TV. I went upstairs to pray, and I was praying and seeking God and praying and seeking God. Around about two hours in, I sensed the presence so tangible in the room that I, I actually kept my eyes closed and reached out to touch it. I don't know which sense is correct. Which would be the wisest thing to do? To touch something with your eyes closed or to see something? In retrospect, I would think seeing it would be better because I'd hate to be in the dark and tell, oh, what is that? Don't you, see, you know what I'm saying? It's like, saying, oh, 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 who, who, who are you? Who are you? Open your eyes, stupid. I, you know, I wish, but nevertheless, I didn't feel anything, and I opened in my eyes. I still didn't see anything, but the presence of God was there, and there was an impartation, and he spoke to me about the call of God in my life and what I was supposed to do and told me that I would be a tree planted by the rivers of water that would grow up strong and that people would come like the animals and the birds resting in the, in the, le uh, the tree, in the, in the branches, and in the shade of the tree. And they would come and sit in the shade of the tree. He gave me that as a word calling me to ministry while I was still a diplomat. The thing, it happened because I pressed in in that time of praise and worship and his presence showed up. There's so many things that I want to show you about this as we move along. Let me see if I could just finish this one thought. Okay, so in verse 33, the woman knowing what had happened to her, she came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear. Now, I used to read that. I used to read that is that she came and just prostrated herself down at his feet and trembled with fear. And to the Holy Spirit, since I'm doing my research now to find manifestations of the impartation, the Holy Spirit clearly says to me, she fell. She fell forward without a catcher. Her, her, weak, her body became weak, and she fell. It didn't say she knelt at his feet. It said she fell. Read it as it stands. She fell at his feet. See what had happened? She touched him. Bam! The anointing went through. Then she gets called into his presence. 
she gets called into his presence. And as she approaches his presence, the strength leaves her body, and she hits the deck, bam, in the dirt. And she begins to tremble. The Bible says she trembled with fear. She's trembling in his presence. She's trembling in his presence. Yes, it could be fear, but I'm telling you, she was trembling in his presence. See, every week and every day, God calls you into his presence. And as you come, the flesh gets weaker. The flesh gets weaker. And eventually you will fall into his presence. And you won't concern about yourself who's watching, who's listening, what's going on. And yes, trembling might be a thing that you begin to experience. I began to tremble when Prophet Esther was here. And I trembled till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I'm trying to eat. Like... <laughs> so how are you doing, Prophet Esther? Okay. Normally I, I do well. And she told him the whole truth. And he said, daughter, your faith has, has healed you. Go in peace. So now notice this. Just notice this. Her faith made a demand upon the anointing. It was her faith that drew her to Jesus. Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Her faith released the impartation of the power of the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus and in his clothes to flow through her. I'll give you one more scripture and I'll finish. Jesus went about, it says in Matthew 14, when the men of the place recognized, they recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region and brought him all that was sick and begged him that they might only touch, not him, the hem of his garment, that they may touch his clothes. And as many as touched it were made perfectly well. You've got to see this. So he comes to the area of Genesaret. They go out into the region. They find all the sick people. They bring them. Jesus, let them touch you. Not everybody touched. The Bible says as many as touched. You're not listening. In that crowd, people were brought to church by others who knew they would get healed if they came to the service. When Jesus was in town. He is in that place. Jesus is at the promise. If you'll come to promise, you will get healed. You'll get delivered. Your life will get turned around. If you come, come with us. And many came. But not everybody received. Why not? Because it said as many as touched were healed. Others stood and watched. Even though they were brought to the service with an impediment, with a problem, they stood on the outside as spectators and never participated in what God was doing in the meeting. Even in Jesus' meetings, not everybody got healed. Because not everybody would touch. Wow. Called. Come. Here it is. Same thing happened in Paul. Remember they took aprons and handkerchiefs from Paul. And they laid it on the sick and demons came out. Amen. 
All right, now I really must quit at this point. Really going to quit. Everybody stay on your feet. I'll continue next week and the next and the next. I think it's something we need to continue looking at, don't you think? We have to understand what God is doing. You see, I mean, you all know about the Ashbury uh, revival that's, that's going on, right? It's great. It's great. A conservative college, a conservative Christian college, and, and their level of fire is one person with a guitar and a piano and three people or four people who can't sing, um, singing songs that are there, and, and the people are going hallelujah and raising their hands. So they're having a breakthrough. You must understand from the level that they're at, this is an incredible breakthrough. People are raising their hands and singing. People are lying on the floor. Okay? So you must understand, if they came to our P3, they would think we lost it. You, you see, you must understand, we look at that, and the social media is looking at that and saying they're having revival, and yes, they are for them. We are having a revival on a completely different level. Yeah? You need to understand where you are in God and where God has brought you and what level you're at right now and what intensity of fire that's upon you and what God is doing for you. We are walking in revival, but it's a completely different intensity. They would think we're crazy. And I'm looking at them going, bless them, Lord. People are coming from all over the world, pushing in. Oh, God, how hungry they are for what they are seeing there. Gosh, I need to stop. Really, I'm going go on. If you have children in the children's church, please go and get them. Have our prayer team, ministry team come out. If you need prayer for anything, just come on out here. We're going to pray for you. God is going to do amazing things in your life. Amen. God bless you. It was an awesome Sunday. And thank you for giving me the uh, privilege to go on for a few more minutes.